Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Before I start this morning, I just want to say, uh, I just want to say, our senior pastor, Pastor Ed, he's over in America right now, probably sleeping. If I've got my time zone uh, times correct, maybe not. I don't know. You can correct me on that afterwards. But uh, I, he messaged me this morning, and he was praying for this service, and he prayed that there's anointing here. And he told me he's, uh, he's really enjoying a time of catching up with people, relaxation, and uh, and let's continue to pray for our pastor. He's over there for for another week and a half, which is why we've got Leanne Sharp next uh, Sunday. But uh, I want uh, our pastor to come back refreshed. I want him to come back anointed. I want him to come back with a new vision, and uh, he's been such a, a blessing in my life over the 15 years that I've been here at City Church. So let's just give it up. I know he's not here this morning, but let's give it up for, for, for Pastor Ed. Uh, it's so good. And uh, you may have uh, worked things out, uh, what Brownie just said then, but uh, that girl that walked past um, several years ago and was hung over after party, that was actually my wife. Um, <laughs> She's allowed me to share this. Uh, that was uh, just over five years ago. We've been married now for four years. We do have uh, two beautiful kids, a 15-month-old and uh, six weeks almost old, five, six-week-old. Uh, if you think I'm crazy and I got in quick, well, that's all right. You can keep those thoughts to yourself. I love it. I love being a parent. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the hospital with my son uh, because he had to have an operation for his kidneys, and uh, and it was a complete success. I know people in here were praying for it. So just one more blessing. Within about two hours after his operation, he was the chirpiest kid you can ever imagine. And, and although that's a really good thing, you don't want that when you're in a children's ward and there's like six or seven other kids around you that are sick and... You know, he's the chirpy one after two hours running amok and causing people not to get sleep. But in my mind, I'm thinking God is great. He, he does amazing things in our lives. My fingerprint is not working. Come on. That's all right. We'll get there in just a second. I promise I'm only going to preach for about six hours today, um, give or take about five and a half hours. But uh, I believe I've got a word in season for this morning. And uh, nothing proved it more than when I walked in here on Wednesday night for All In. Who was here for All In? What an amazing time we have every single month with our All In. It happens on the first Wednesday of every month and, uh, and we get together, we have a feed together, which is, it's always good to eat together, but then we also have a spiritual feed together. We get a chance to, to connect with people, to, to really get into the Word. And uh, this Wednesday, last Wednesday night, we actually had Chris, Pastor Chris Aiton here and I got a little bit nervous when he stuck a picture up on the screen saying, uh, I think it was, was it Invisible Seeds? That was the message. I got a little bit nervous because I thought, oh no, I'm talking about fruit and seeds and stuff on Sunday. He's going to steal. And then I looked at his scriptures and he used about three or four of the same scriptures. So you might hear the same scripture this morning, but I promise you uh, it's a different message. And I'm talking on fruitfulness. And there should be an image that comes up on the screen. And I want to open uh, by saying this. I want to say, uh, I want us to turn to John 15, 1 to 8. And it's Jesus talking about himself as the vine between him and God. And, uh, and a lot of vines that, uh, that we see on the coast here, they, they come up, they strangle trees, they're really bad. I'm not talking about that vine. He's not talking about that vine. He's talking about the good vine, like the passion fruits and, uh, and you know, the, the ones that grow up, the, the tomato vines and all that sort of stuff, the fruitful stuff. And he says here, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's a hard-hitting, hard-hitting thing to, to think of. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he, uh, that does bear fruit, sorry, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The way I see that, whatever happens in your life, you're going to get cut. That's it. <laughs> you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He's saying it a few times just to get it into our, into our mind what's happening here. If you remain in me, once again, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray this morning. God, I just thank you for the words you're about to bring, Lord. I just thank you for the, the illustrations that you've given me, <clears throat> this, uh, this hobby of gardening that you've given me that maybe it annoys some people, but uh, it's blessed me, Lord. It's blessed my life. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that t- today's message uh, will come across in a powerful way that, uh, that touches hearts and, uh, and moves in only the way you can move. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the first thing I see when I, when I read this uh, passage of Scripture, I see that uh, it, it's almost... The prerogative, it's almost the thing that we must do as Christians is live a fruitful life. And uh, as I was searching for images this morning, and I did make this one myself, so you can judge it as much as you want. When I was searching for images, I was trying to do like a little bit of a, a sneaky and try and copy someone else's image so I didn't have to create it myself. And one thing that came up, and, and, and I thought about it long and hard, is uh, there was heaps of these images that said fruitfulness versus faithfulness. And I clicked on them, and almost every single article was saying we focus too much on fruit and we should be focusing on faithfulness. Well, I looked at it, and the first thing I felt in my spirit was that sort of like, you know, that anger that builds up inside you sometimes? That righteous anger. It's not you angry, but it's like God's anger. And I thought, how can you live a faithful life if there's no fruit to show for it? I have a feeling that if you're living a faithful life, there is fruit. And, and maybe fruit isn't the main goal. But if, if you want to do something amazing for God, if you want to uh, live a life that, uh, that infects other people, that changes our world, that changes your society, changes your family, then you better well have some fruit in your life. You better well have that faithfulness that leads to fruitfulness. So I've called this morning's message, Fruitful Living. And there are a few hard-hitting things in here, and I apologize for that up front, but uh, just let God do the work this morning. That's all. You know, God uh, had me up at 4 o'clock last night as um, my wife was feeding our baby, and I'm sitting there going, God, this is going to be too harsh, some of this stuff. And he goes, no, nah, you've got you to preach it. You've got to let it settle. You've got to let it get into the Word. So... Uh, so that's what it is this morning, fruitful living. I've given you a warning. So uh, at the end of the sermon, don't throw your rocks at me because I've warned you beforehand. <laughs> fruitful living. Now, uh, if, you, if you followed me on social media, if you know uh, my Instagram or Facebook, you'll know two things by now. You'll know one, I forget to post things all the time. I, I'm probably the worst person on social media. People look at it and go, oh, that's a nice photo from six months ago. Uh, I'm, I'm not, although I'm a little bit younger, I, I'm not kind of savvy on it. My wife, she's posting every day. Find out of her what we're doing in our life because I'll start, I'll go, yes, I want to do this. And then three days later, I'm, I'm forgetting again. I'm not taking photos. I'm like, oh, how do I even do this? The second thing you'll notice if you're on my social media is there's two main things I post about. That's my family and that's gardening. And uh, my obsession with gardening only started about six months ago. And some people are like, oh, he's still a newbie at that. I like to call myself a little bit of a, a semi-pro because these days, who knows, you can, uh, you can watch enough videos, you can listen to podcasts, you can do all that stuff. If you're like me and you listen to podcasts in the car driving to work of gardening, you've probably got a bit of an addiction. And uh, like me, you probably need to seek some help. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's great in its own time, but sometimes Michaela is telling me something about her day and I cut her off and I'm talking about gardening and she goes, oh, there you go again. But I love my gardening. It's something I never thought 
I would be able to do, never thought I would enjoy. And uh, Michaela laughed at me when, I, when we first moved into this house. She said, there's no way you're going to stick at this for more than two weeks. Well, suck it, Michaela. I stuck with it. I'm still doing it. And I'm getting a lot of fruit and veggies out of it. So it's my new hobby. And long before LD Coles, Woolies, and even IGA, I noticed this morning, long before they started giving out free seeds, I was planting seeds in the ground. So it's not a, it's not a new idea. Uh, but, uh, but before we get into the meat of this morning's message, I just want to find out who I'm talking to so I know that I've got my facts correct or not. Hands up if uh, you've ever done any gardening in your life at all. You've ever grown any fruit or veggies. That's a lot of people in here. Um, keep your hand up if you've harvested a lot of fruit and veggies. Uh, not as many hands are up. Um, put your hand, uh, keep your hand, well, everyone put your hands down. Put your hand up if the only reason you said you've gardened before is because you did get those seeds from Woolies in the last couple of weeks. Has anyone... <laughs> No, so there's some experienced gardeners here, but for the most of us, uh, the fruit and uh, the veggies and, and picking that out of the garden kind of sort of evades us, and I'm with you, I understand, because I've had my failures, I've had my successes. Uh, I'll tell you a bit about that this morning. Uh, but I want to use some of the things that are, have happened in, in my life of gardening the last six months. Um, I believe, uh, tied in with this verse and, and, and several other verses in the Bible, it talks about how we can live a fruitful life. Fruitful Living. So first of all, what does living a fruitful life look like? Well, first of all, you can look in the Bible and you can see uh, living a life with the spiritual fruit. I don't believe it's a coincidence that, uh, that God says, that Jesus says in his word, uh, that we have spiritual fruit, that each of us carries spiritual fruit. Uh, you, can, you can look at that yourselves. It talks about peace and joy. It talks about kindness, uh, long-suffering, all these, all these things that well up inside our spirit that are fruit of us believing and following God. They are a fruitful marriage. I know I want a fruitful marriage. I don't want a marriage where there's no fruit. Uh, There's one thing I've learned in the last four years of marriage. We're married four years and 11 days' time, so it's good where I'm remembering things now. I did have to check with Michaela this morning, but uh, I'm remembering that it's, it's almost our, our four-year anniversary. And, uh, you know, it's been a hard trek. Anyone who's married knows that it's not roses. It's not always everything's 100% good. I marry one of the good ones. Uh, we don't fight much. She handles my gardening. She handles my bad jokes. She, she handles my, uh, my personality. But, uh, but who knows, as soon as I got married, it was harder to get fruit from my life, just because I had to put in more work, right? Not harder in a bad way, not, not hard because she's a, a taskmaster, but harder because I had to actually work harder to cultivate and help someone else to grow, not just myself to grow. We want fruitful family. Same thing with children. I want my kids to grow up into amazing people, not because I'm selfish, because I know that if they do amazing things for God, they're going to get recognized. And when they get recognized, God's going to do amazing things in other people around them. And it's all about producing fruit in their lives. But who knows that that takes time, especially when you're working, you're preparing sermons, you're running lots of other things. It takes time to build into your family. But you want a fruitful family. You want to be fruitful in your finances. Is there anyone here that says, I don't want to be fruitful in my finances? Anyone? No one that says, okay, cool, great, we got that out of the water. Everyone wishes they were fruitful in their finances. And a lot of the time, we wish we were more fruitful. Fruitful in our workplace, fruitful in our studies, fruitful in our ministry, and the list goes on and on and on. I guarantee if there's something in your life that you're interested in, you want to be fruitful in that area. And you see, when we produce God good fruit, as this verse that we read just before says, we're a witness to God's provision and God's glory. One of God's names, if you need any more proof, is Yahweh Yireh. I had to make sure I said that correctly. That is the Lord will provide. I don't know about you, but if my God carries the name saying my Lord will provide, 
I don't want to be living a life where I'm lacking because I'm not really living out what God wants to do. If he's got the name of I will provide, then we're destined to live fruitful lives. We're destined to have provision. We're destined to be able to provide for others. God wants us to be fruitful as it shows his true power and character and it shows his faithfulness and ours. So I want to share with you this morning several thoughts on how to consistently live a fruitful life. The first one is bearing fruit requires maintenance. If you've ever had a garden, seen a garden, been anywhere near a garden, gone anywhere anywhere outside before, you will see gardens that look nice and you'll see gardens that don't look so nice. You'll see gardens that are, that are, that are groomed well and people have spent lots of time in and you'll see ones that are overgrown. They've got weeds all through them. There's a lack of order. Uh, I understand why my wife was sceptical when we moved into our new house in Nambour, a nice house with a, with a quarter acre of land and, and like gardens and all that sort of stuff. I understand why she was sceptical because at our old house, when we had about, I don't know, about this much space in our garden, uh, including the pavers next to it, and that thing grew so many weeds, you wouldn't even know what it was like. There was weeds everywhere. Uh, I only ever went out in the garden once to actually help and weed, and that was just before we were moving. And uh, halfway through pulling out, uh, well, not even halfway through, a quarter of the way through pulling out some of the weeds, I got a phone call from our, our worship pastor, uh, Slade, and he goes, oh, do you need any help with moving? I was like, yeah, that's great. You can come over and do the gardening. And I went back inside and worked on something else. And uh, he, two hours later, our garden was magnificently weeded. There was nothing there. So Slade, he's not just good at worship. He's good at lots of things, including gardening, so give him a call if you want some gardening done. <laughs> uh, Slade is an amazing person. But that was my experience before I moved into my property. I know why she was sceptical. And uh, we moved into the house, and uh, about that, that time of year, back in April, uh, we had a lot of different conferences, a lot of things to go away, uh, a little bit of a family holiday pre-second baby. And, uh, and I thought the, the yard we moved into, it's not our own house, it's a rental. I should have known straight away with that. Um, but I thought it had a beautiful garden because it was nice and mowed. Uh, I thought it was beautiful because it was all green and lush and everything like that. But give three weeks, a lot of sun, a lot of rain, us being away. We got home one day, drove up the driveway, and I'm like, what's the forest in the backyard? And there's weeds, I kid you not, up to about this height all through the backyard because we failed to maintain that backyard and it became overgrown. And, uh, you know, we, got a, we, got, uh, we did the, the best thing you possibly can do. We got on the phone, we called someone, someone came over, sprayed everything. We didn't lift a finger except for the work to pay for it. And our garden was nice and good again. And I was able to actually start planting some uh, fruit and veggies in there. But how does it look when our spiritual and physical lives don't have consistent maintenance? How does it look when we're not maintaining the weeds, the doubt, when we're not maintaining the, the order in our lives and we let things get overgrown, when we don't pull things out or remove things when they need to be? How do our lives tend to look? If it's anything like mine, you get to the point where it's like, I don't see the exit, I don't see what's going on. Uh, Brownie did say, you know, years and years ago that, uh, that I suffered with uh, um, depression and stuff. You get so far into things like that that you can't see the way out because it, it, it plants a seed. It has a seed in you, a bad seed that grows and grows and grows. And before long, you're overgrown. You've got no way out. There's weeds. There's, there's, there's bad things in your life. And that's just to say, you know, what happens in our spiritual life. What about, uh, what about the inconsistent decision-making that happens, you know, in our physical life? Uh, what about uh, maintaining beards? I see some well-maintained beards out there. I'm trying to, 
Uh, I finally convinced my wife I can grow a beard, so it's grown, and, but the only condition is I maintain it. Uh, what about hair, maintaining your hair? For some of us, it's maintaining our belly. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's not eating the chocolate during the day. It's not eating chocolate at night. It's staying away from chocolate completely, which is a very hard thing to do, and my wife will call me a liar if I say that I do that. So. But we've got to be continually maintaining our lives, much like cars and any other mechanical things consistently need to be realigned, fixed, maintained. And so here's four things that I learned uh, when I grew my tomatoes. I learned them quickly because uh, I planted about 20 tomato trees and I thought, this is awesome. Mind you, they were already like this far established, so I went, yes, this looks great. Um, three weeks later, I learned you need to do quite a lot to look after those things, especially when you have about 25 of them in your yard. Um, so I, I learned these four things and uh, you know, I learned that you need to water them correctly. And so I went out with a hose and I thought, I'm just going to water these things all the time. And who knows, overwatering can kill your roots. All of a sudden, these trees aren't looking better. They're looking worse. And I'm thinking, I'm, I've got to water them more. I've got to water them more. No, nah, it's not the right way. Like, continually watering. And then so I thought, I'm going to do the opposite way and not water them at all. We know where that leads to. But it's, it's the correct watering. It's knowing when to water, when not to water, how to water, how we get fed, fertilizer, all these sorts of things. And the way I link that, what God said to me is that's like our, our spiritual life when we're in prayer. That's like our spiritual life when, when we're in worship, when we're at home and we're, we're reading the Word of God. We've got to water ourselves correctly because there's so many things out there that want to enter our lives. There's so many things that want to come in and flood our roots and try and knock us away. But we need to water ourselves correctly to spend time together with God and to attend church. Attending church is, is an amazing thing. And uh, kudos to you guys because uh, you guys are all here. So that's awesome. You've ticked off that one. It says in Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect meeting together as the church. It's just one place that you can be watered in all different ways. Podcasts are amazing ways to, to, to hear a word. In fact, you can hear Pastor Brian's word on podcasts from last week. It was an amazing sermon I heard. I was over with the kids' ministry uh, doing a different kind of watering and, and helping them grow up in the right way. But I heard Pastor Brian preached an amazing message. So you can water yourself through those podcasts. You can listen to anything going back. It's a great way to stay watered, to, to make sure... You're in times of worship, you're in times of reading your word, that you're in times of prayer and making sure that you're watered correctly. Another good thing uh, to do if you're in your garden, and, and this might be some tips if you're, if you're growing those little Woolworth seeds, soil quality. Where you're planted matters. The soil that you're in matters. I didn't know that at the beginning. I just lucked out with my tomatoes. I learned that the hard way when I planted other stuff and it was the wrong soil and it died before it even got a chance. Uh, you've got to be planted in the right soil. And what I heard from Brownie earlier is that this, this place, this house, this church is the right soil for miracles. Being planted in the church is the right soil for miracles. I'm not just talking about this busy building physically, but being planted in the church with the people. At the end of the day, the church is the people. Being planted with one another, you need that soil quality. You need a place for your roots to dig deep so that you can grow strong. Another thing that I learned with tomatoes is they need support. I let my first three run wild and they're still running wild and I'm not doing anything about it. The rest of them, I realized really quickly that they needed saking in the ground. They needed to be tied up. They needed support next to them to help them so they didn't topple over. And, and like Brownie said, the best place in our church to get support is a dinner party. The best place to get prayer, the best place to, to find someone that can help you to walk through life that can help you to find the miracles in your life, that can help you to find direction. The best place for that is in dinner parties. 
uh, and, and attending all in and getting involved with everything you can in the church. It says in 1 Samuel 12, 24 that, sorry, that's the wrong verse. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 that we encourage one another and build one another up. Where else are you going to get that but in the world, uh, the Word of God and around Christian people? I work on, a, on sometimes a very non-Christian workplace as a painter, uh, painting houses. And uh, I tell you what, sometimes it's not encouraging. Sometimes it's definitely not encouraging. But when you work someone like that, when you're around that sort of thing, you know you need to be in, a, in the church. You need to be in a dinner party. You need to be around the right people for support. And the fourth one, and this is the scary one, and this is one that scares me, is pruning. And this scares me in multiple ways. It scares me when I go to put like a little scissors to my... Not scissors, whatever they are. See, I'm still new at uh, secateurs or whatever they are. I'm still new at gardening, okay, guys? Give me a break. But when I go to put those to my trees, I kind of have a little bit of a tear in my eye because I'm like, I'm doing the wrong thing here. I don't want to kill this thing. Sometimes I'm, I'm cutting off branches that have got flowers on them and I'm like, oh, that could be fruit. Pruning is a scary thing, but it's something that God wants for our lives. We heard in John 15:1 as we read earlier, that God cuts off the branches that don't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do so they bear more fruit. And I said this before and I'm going to say it again. Either way, you're going to get cut. Either way, at some stage in your life, something that someone says or something you hear from God or something you hear in the Spirit, it's going to cut you. And you're going to be tempted to say, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. So you can either ask yourself, hey, is there any truth in that? Is there truth in what these people say? Is there truth in what the Word says? And if there's any truth at all and your life looks any different, you can prune that thing or you can risk cutting that thing off completely. It's pretty harsh. I told you there'd be some harsh stuff in here. See, correction is a hard thing, but it's a necessary thing. Uh, there came a stage when uh, I, I walked out and I had uh, tomato plants up to, to this height and it was, it was looking nice. It was great. There was green fruit on it. The leaves were great. Everything was going good. Give it two days. I walked outside. It's all turning yellow. Everything's like sagging down. I walk into Michaela and I kid you not, she can say that I did this. I went inside. I started, like I didn't cry, but it looked like I was going to cry. I said, I give up on gardening. I'm never doing this again. And I started, she goes, oh, well, why don't you look online? And I thought, oh, yeah, that's what these people do these days. You know, old me that doesn't actually go on Instagram very often. I went online, I looked up what was happening, and, oh, it's because I haven't pruned anything. So I went to town on that guy. Like, by the time I was done, there was about this much leaves on the plant, just like a stalk with the... And, I, and then, could you not walk back inside to my car? I said, I don't know what I've done. You need to go out there and check that I've done the right thing. You could see the ground, you could see the next door neighbor's house, you could see everything through there. And she's like, what have you done? She's like, what happened to the, the, every, all the goodness on it? And I said, like, that's what the internet told me to do. That's what you told me to do, to look at the internet to do it. But turns out my wife was correct in telling me to look at the internet. The internet was correct. Three or four days later, that thing just took off. Those fruit are getting bigger. Those fruit are, are growing. There's, there's so much happening because pruning was a necessary evil in the lives of my tomato bushes and definitely a necessary evil in our own spiritual lives. Self-review and self-maintenance is the key to a fruitful life, even if it sucks. <laughs> bearing fruit requires maintenance. Second uh, thing I've learned from the garden, bearing fruit requires time. Galatians 6.9 in the NLT says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good, 
Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Fruit doesn't happen instantly. Fruitfulness does not happen instantly. I wish it did. There's been times in my life where I wish that the, the things that God was going to do with me, He did immediately and straight away. Believe it or not, when I was 15 years of age, God came to me and gave me a word. And He said, one day you're going to be preaching to audiences. You're going to be preaching to, to people from all across the world. And hey, this has worked out right here because there's people in this room from all across the world. And I said, no, nah, that, that, that can't be right, God. Because I saw who I was at that moment and I said, if I, there's no way I can bear that fruit. There's no way that I'll ever get to that point. I said, if this is going to happen, God, you have to do it right now. And who knows, that didn't happen. Probably led to some of that depression, you know. Like, But it was, it was a season of, of growth. I was so glad that that fruitfulness took years and years and years to come out because I believe if, if anything had have happened earlier, I wouldn't have been prepared to deal with with the things that I deal with today. I wouldn't have been prepared to deal with the, the weather, the storms, the, the things that come and attack my life. When you step out for something for good for God and you think, I'm going to be fruitful in this, you better be ready to weather those storms. Yeah. You better be ready to, to, to allow uh, God to shift and move and prune and mold and change and, and shake and whatever other words, whatever other adjectives you can put in there because it's going to happen. And so it takes time to be fruitful it takes time. And I had someone say to me early on in the piece, I said, they said to me, don't focus on the big things, Cody. Focus on the little things. Be faithful in the little things and you'll see the big things happen. So as you do when you hear correction, the first thing I thought was that person was attacking me and calling me non-faithful in the little things. So I went away and I sulked for a bit and I said, how dare that person do that? But then over time, I started to see, okay, actually there is truth in that. I then adjusted myself. I allowed it to correct myself. And, and the little things add up to big things. I, right now, call me a tomato enthusiast. I have 24 varieties of tomato in seeds at the moment. My garden's going to look like tomatoes come December. Um, but I have varieties that are, that are set to put two kilogram tomatoes on the tree. Like, that's this big. But you know how many tomatoes grow on that tree? About three or four. I also have other ones that are called, like, it's literally called the moneymaker. And it's set to, it makes, you can understand why it's called the money maker because it literally has fruit that goes down to the ground. They're only about this size, but if you're faithful in the small things, it ends up to the big things. Which one is more productive in the end of the day? These massive tomatoes that make one jar per tomato of tomato sauce? Or these millions of tomatoes on a tree? Be faithful in the small things. We want success. We want instant success, but we don't want to do the work. School grades without study. Perfect children without discipline. A lot of money without hard work. Our dinner's on the table without, without waiting half an hour to cook it. Success in life, a fruitful life, takes a long time to happen, but I tell you it's well worth it when it does. And, and I marvel at, at plants and how well they do it. And I hope I'm not turning anyone off uh, gardening or turning anyone off me by talking so much about it. I'm just passionate in this, okay? And I marvel that these trees, they know what they're doing and you can't say to me that these things came about by accident because everything about a plant knows what it's doing. The fact that a, a fruit doesn't ripen up until a certain time is because that plant knows that green fruit is not attractive to animals and therefore it won't be eaten. 
It knows that at a perfect time when the seeds are fully developed, it's going to turn yellow or red or orange or purple. And all of a sudden, it's attractive. It's seen by the animals. The animals are going to eat it, and then they're going to poop somewhere. And then, boom, a new tree comes up. These trees are smart. Like, they work that out, and they don't even have, you know, four, uh, four appendages and stuff like that on them. <laughs> that was going to sound so much differently in my head, but that's all right. Fruit can be unappealing before it's ripe. Fruit in your life can be unappealing to you before it's ripened. There can be things in your life right now that you go, no, there's no way this is ever going to turn into something beautiful. But it's just because it's in the ripening process. It's not just about the time it takes, but it's also about the the right timing. In some plants, if fruit happens too early, it actually changes the longevity of the plant's life. I, uh, we've got some fruit trees growing in our backyard and, uh, and one of the saddest moments that I had to go out and do, and this is because I was advised to do this, was to go out and pick off all the flowers. And there were hundreds of flowers. It's like picking off the good things on the tree and I see some people nodding because they know what gardening's like. And I'm picking these flowers off and I'm holding back the tears. But the thing is, if you let that tree go to fruit too early... It actually takes too much effort and time putting energy into that fruit. The roots never grow big enough. And after two or three years, you're going to be left with a barren tree that can't grow itself anymore. Before I, get, before I said trees are smart, now I think trees are dumb. But picking off those things that looked like they could be fruit, because by fruiting too early, it's actually that longevity doesn't end up happening. And that's what I said I believe would have happened in my life if I had of being given a stage way early on, being given the, the ministry role, being given the, the, the example I can be in my workplace, being given a family, even my kids. If I had had those in my late teenage years, in my early 20s, who knows what would be happening right now? Because fruit comes in its own season, its own time. If it comes in the wrong season, you end up with my uh, famous bean plants. And a few of you guys saw these plants. Uh, they grew about this tall and the beans touched the ground. The beans grew longer than the actual plant was because I planted them out before winter and it needs a lot of sun and a lot of rain and all of a sudden you've got cold and you've got nothing happening. It still grew fruit, but the tree wasn't able to support it. I've got this little thing that's waving around the wind every time something happens. These fruit are like flying around. They weigh more than the tree themselves. But we prefer instant success. We prefer that we have it right now rather than hardening off. Whereas God says he prefers continued success. Slow but steady. I want to read uh, part of the, that verse again, John 15, 4 to 7. And I've uh, highlighted a th- few things in here this time, and it should come up behind me. Awesome. It says, Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Are you getting the point? There's a lot of remaining in here. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There should be a slide that comes up with the dictionary meaning of remain. I, I kind of I thought to myself, I'd never seen this before, I'd never looked it up, but here is 
the dictionary meaning of remain. It's a verb and it says to continue to exist, especially after other similar people or things have ceased to do so. To remain. And if you continue to read those verses, there's about another 20 or 30 remains just before John 15 finishes. He wants us to continue to hold strong, to keep going, even when other people say, well, why are you doing it? It's fruitless. Why are you doing that, Cody? Because you know you can't talk. You know you can't speak in front of people. You know what your life is like. You know the depression that's in your life. Why are you even holding on to that dream? Remain in me and I will remain in you. Let's uh, replace remain in just a few of these verses. If you continue to stay with me, even after others cease to do so, you will bear much fruit. If my words continue to stay in your heart, even after other words have faded away, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you're believing for a miracle in your life, if you're believing for some sort of change, if you're believing that God's uh, in the middle and the process of ripening you right now, remain. Stay where you are, fixed on Him. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that would tell you you're not good enough. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that says this has taken too long. God wants to ripen you and in His perfect time you're going to bear a lot of fruit. Remain. First one, bearing fruit requires maintenance. Second, bearing fruit requires time. And the third one, and I'll get the band to come up, and that's bearing fruit produces seed. And so now we're talking about once, once you've maintained, once you've given the time and, and the fruit's ripe and, and things are happening. And may I add, sometimes we look at other people's fruit, it's other things that are happening in other people's lives and we get jealous because it's not the fruit that we have. But I tell you what, I've never seen a banana tree get jealous of an apple tree because there's bananas growing and there's apples growing. We all bear different fruit, different times for different seasons. Do not compare yourself to the fruitfulness of someone else's life. Rather, focus on your faithfulness. Focus on staying faithful for what God's called you to do. And in your time, your fruit will ripen. And maybe, hopefully not, they'll actually look at you and say, wow, I want their fruit. Fruitful living doesn't stop at the point of bearing fruit. See, most fruit is edible. And most fruit contains lots and lots of seeds. One tomato can contain up to 20, 30 seeds. The bigger ones, up to two, 300 seeds in one tomato. And that's a little bit of an overkill if, if, you, if I'm thinking about it. Like that tomato falls on the ground. Do you want 100 other tomatoes growing up? But it's because it's important that when we produce, seed, uh, when we produce fruit, it's not about fruitfulness for ourselves, but it's about having fruitfulness for others to use. It's about being fruitful so that the person next to you can see how God's been fruitful in your life and believe for fruitfulness in their life. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 in the NLT says, For it is God, oh, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let me read that last part again. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Note it doesn't say He increases your resources so that you can have a great harvest of resources. 
He gives you resource so that you can have a harvest of generosity for others. He did a, a miraculous work in the life of my child. In the life of my wife, when she was told she couldn't have children and, and they did an operation, they said, well, you, you probably can now, but it's going to take two years. And a month later, we're talking to the same doctor who's looking at it saying, you're pregnant. Yes, it was fruitful for me. But at the end of the day, that doctor, every time we walked in, every time Michaela walked in to see that doctor, this doctor said, oh, it's a miracle baby. Not a Christian, but that's a miracle baby. Who does the miracles? The miracle worker. Was that fruit just for me and my family? Or was it for that doctor who's now walking away with hopefully just one more miracle that's happening on the way to salvation in their life? The purpose of fruitful blessing is a harvest of generosity. The greatest use of a fruitful life, if you desire and I think we should all desire to be fruitful in our own areas. Not for the sake of it, because we desire to help others. If we desire fruitfulness, the fruitful life is for generously feeding and investing into others. A harvest isn't meant to be joyed alone. And I can tell you that because there's thousands of tomatoes in my garden. We've given so many away. We've made sauces. We've done, if you want tomatoes, come see me. I can give you tomatoes for, for weeks. To truly reap a great harvest, your fruit must be reproduced in others. Who are you spending time to invest in? Where is your fruit reaping a harvest of generosity? If the fruit of your life isn't producing seed or feed for others, I'd say that it probably isn't godly fruit. That's a hard-hitting thing. What can you do with the talents and the abilities? What can you do with the work that you've been given? What can you do with your family, your spouse, your loved ones? What can you do on the ground that you tread, whether it's in classy Budrum, classy Noosa, or down and out Nambour? What can you do with the land? I live in Nambour now, so I can say jokes like that. What are you going to do with the land that you tread your feet on? What is your life producing in others. And I want to leave with this scripture. It's a long one, so bear with me, but you'll get the point. Matthew 25, 31 to 46, and you've heard this before if you've been in church for any time. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on the, His glorious throne. What a day that will be. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? Or when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, and you don't want to be on his left, Depart from me, 
you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's pretty rough. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will have eternal life. Eternal life sounds like the better end of the deal, right? Sharing my fruit, sharing the seed, allow inviting others in to eat, to reap a harvest. God calls us to be that for those around us. But you see the world in life, we're so often separated into two groups based on our wealth and our riches, based on what we have or don't have. But when it comes to the end of the day, God's not looking to what we do or don't have. God's looking at what we did with what we had. And so I say to you, whether you look like a banana, an apple, a grape, a prune, a carrot, whatever it is, whatever your fruit, whatever it is in your life where you're producing something, you be the best carrot you can be. You be the best radish you can be. You be the best spinach you can be. Brussels sprouts, whatever it is. And you share that fruit. Live a fruitful life. I tell you at the end of the day, I don't want to leave knowing that I made wealth. I don't want to leave knowing that I created a name for myself. I don't want to leave knowing that, uh, that I did amazing things. Rather, I want to know, leave knowing that others were blessed by the things that I was able to achieve, the things I was able to do in the power of God. Maintenance, time and seed. And I'm going to close right now. I'd love for everyone in this place to stand to your feet. I hope I haven't put you off gardening. I hope I haven't offended you too much today. I hope pruning scares you a little bit less than it did when you walked in. God wants to do something amazing in your life. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.